How many gay historical figures do you know? Probably not that many. Most of them live their lives in secrecy, and history books tend to ignore any rainbow flags that someone might present. But they existed. They were people just like us, writers and innovators and artists and leaders, and they don't deserve to hide any longer. We're your hosts, Mary Rogers and Eileen Yamamoto, and join us as we uncover the ghosts in the closet. Historians say they were very close friends. Gal pals. Colleagues. Best friends. Independent. Companions. Rebellious. Roommates. Um, weren't they just queer? You're listening to Ghosts in the Closet with Mary Rogers and Eileen Yamamoto. Hi everyone, I'm Mary. And I'm Eileen. And welcome back to Ghosts in the Closet. It's been a hot minute, but we're back and hopefully better than ever with an extra special episode. Today we'll be heading back to the historic gay liberation movement of the 1960s, where we'll be exploring the incredible life of lesbian civil rights leader, trailblazer, performer, and so-called guardian of the (laughs) lesbians, Stormy DeLarvery. As always, before we get into this incredible story, let's recap some recent queer news. A record-breaking 35 openly LGBTQ athletes are competing at the Winter Olympics in Beijing this year, including the first openly non-binary athlete to ever compete in the Winter Games. The majority of these athletes are competing in ice hockey and figure skating, which is a win for queer athletes and a win for queer stereotypes. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis spoke up in support of a new Don't Say Gay bill, which would prohibit the discussion of sexual orientation and gender identity in primary schools on the basis that they're not age-appropriate. It's reassuring to see that the Governor DeSantis, who has openly opposed masks despite Florida's status as a COVID hotspot, is focusing on the real danger to American children, tolerance. Elmer and Lima, two male penguins at the Rosamond Gifford Zoo in New York, are raising a newly hatched chick after incubating an egg laid by one of the zoo's female penguins. NBC referred to the two as a, quote, gay penguin couple, end quote, a momentous step in the riveting world of gay penguin rights. The next step, gay penguin marriage equality. Hell yeah. So far, we've mostly discussed people who kind of sit on the border of the queer community. They weren't confirmed to be queer, or they existed in a time where it wasn't much of an option for them. Today is special because we're talking about someone whose life was incredibly and beautifully impactful to the queer community itself. Sadly, we didn't know who Stormy DeLarvery was until this episode, despite her remarkable work for the queer community. And the same is probably true for people who haven't really studied queer history in depth. But I am so glad that we're talking about her today because her story is amazing and it truly deserves to be told. So let's get into it. Stormy DeLarvery was born in New Orleans in 1920 to a white father and a black mother, who was a servant at his house. Because of laws against interracial couples, she was never issued a real birth certificate and never knew her real birthday, so she chose to celebrate her birthday on December 24th. I also want to clarify that when I say because of laws against interracial couples, I'm in no way implying that they were a couple or anything, given the dynamic of the relationship and the power dynamic and the year. It seems that it wasn't exactly... We can't really speak to the status of her parents, but that, you know, it wasn't, might not have been a great arrangement. But I just want to say, yeah, she, she had it rough because of her status as an interracial child, we would say. 
As a teen, Stormy rode jumping horses for the Ringling Brothers Circus, and this was only the start of her life as a performer. I don't really want to brush past this because <laughs> she was like a circus performer. Like what? Before she was 18. That's pretty insane. Like, I, like how do you get into that? I, this is a very good question. I'd like to like know what led up to this. Yeah, and path. it's so specific too. I, I don't even know. Like, how do you get into that? Yeah. So at 18, she began identifying as a lesbian and moved to Chicago, where she became a bodyguard for mob bosses. I, like, <laughs> We're on like the second sentence, and she's already more interesting than anybody. I know. Again, how do you get into that? Uh, yeah, like well, she, she was 18. She, I feel like that's not normally a thing that a woman would do. Yeah, did somebody approach her like while she was performing at the circus? <laughs> They're just like, hey, I want hey, you. Hey. And also, you know, you should take a look at, at pictures of Stormy because it's it's not like she's the most like bulky, like wide-framed yeah, woman. She's definitely but she definitely was like really androgynous, but she wasn't like, you know, hugely muscular or anything. It yeah. Like. So just very brave of her. Maybe she had like the presence. Yeah, the know? confidence, and the sway. We're actually gonna talk about a bit about that later. So um during this time she also began singing with bands, and this life as a part-time singer, part-time mob bodyguard took up an actual really large portion of her life. So after that, from 1955 to 1969, Stormy was the MC and only drag king at the legendary Jewel Box Review, North America's first racially integrated traveling drag show. That is just that is astounding. Yeah. When you think about it, thinking about how a lot of at least drag queens get into drag, they're sort of, they, they get to be exposed to the community. Yeah. And they have, you know, drag mothers, people that are able to sort of teach them mm -hmm. the craft. But this is a person who is surrounded by absolutely no fellow drag kings. Yeah, like, and probably a pretty, like, harsh outlook to that kind of things as well right. growing up. Um, so she was the only female performer there. So she was one drag king among around 25 drag queens. Wow. Which is kind of amazing. And I read a a bit about the show and basically the whole show the premise was that they, she was the MC and she'd wear a suit and they would kind of play with the audience and say one of us is a girl one of us there's an actual woman here who is it and it, it turned out to be wait her I know they were all trying to guess which one of the drag queens I am so obsessed with that so it's entertaining would still be entertaining today timeless I would say yeah for real so while most of Stormy's drag queen colleagues only appeared in costume while they were performing, Stormy started to walk around New York in her famous three-piece suits, which are so cool, so please look up pictures. Oh my gosh, she looks spiffy. So spiffy. Um, and this actually inspired a wave of androgynous dressing among the lesbian community there. So she was a bit of a trendsetter and is said to have an influence on today's gender non-conforming fashion. Well, thank you, Stormy. Thank you, Stormy, for real. It's, it's insane that we've never heard her name yeah no know. it's like you said before i had never heard of her before we started to do this episode and just like a few minutes into talking mm -hmm. about her life she's a triple threat <laughs> <laughs> mob, mob bodyguard <laughs> to circus performer drag also like singer right and apparently she had a very good voice yeah. So Pretty kind impressive. of insane. Um, she was also photographed in her suits by legendary photographer Diane Arbus, who called her portraits, quote, Miss Stormy DeLarvery, the lady who appears to be a gentleman, end quote. Oh, I love it. That is, and those photos are like, if you look up photos of Stormy in like her suits, those are the photos that are going to pop up and really like take a look at them. Yeah. They are incredible. And something that really 
really stood out to me was just the look on her face in the pictures. Mm-hmm. Like, she just, like, like, she knows how cool she is. Yes. <laughs> so smug, so confident. The confidence. It's, oh. uh, she has such, such a great look on her face. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, and it was around this time, at her time at the Jewel Box Review and stuff, that she met her life partner, a dancer named Diana. Uh, oh. They lived together for 25 years until Diana's death in the 1970s, and it's said that Stormy always carried a photo of her. No. <laughs> that is I so know. sweet. It is sweet and sad. And uh, I love gay love. <laughs> I just do. <laughs> That's kind of gay of you. <laughs> Why would you say that? I, I'm sorry. I was kidding. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, Ailee, I have a question for you. Okay. When you think of Stonewall, what's the first name that comes to mind? I would have to say, um, off the top of my head, Marsha P. Johnson is the big one. Yes, and rightfully so. True. Uh, but Stormy Delivery was actually also a key figure in, okay. in the Stonewall movement. Uh, the details are a bit foggy, but Stormy may have been the one to throw the first punch at the Stonewall wow. Inn in 1969, uh, sparking the protest that helped start the gay rights movement and the origins of Pride celebrations today. There's no doubt that Stormy was at the Stonewall Inn that night, and that she was one of the butch lesbians fighting back against the police. But it's debated if she was the person who threw the first punch, leading to a clubbing by the police and the start of the protest. Eyewitness accounts vary, but a According to lesbian bar owner Lisa Canestracci, she told me she did. (laughs) (laughs) Which, like, I mean, there it is from the source. Yeah, good for her. (laughs) Uh, So about the riots, Stormy said this. It was a rebellion. It was an uprising. It was a civil rights disobedience. It wasn't no riot. I love her, like, this is still so relevant today. I love the the emphasis she wants to place around, like, the language of it. Knowing that Riot makes this, you know, the, the protesters seem like the bad guys, right. in a sense. And knowing that it really was just an uprising and the civil rights movement, but it was, wasn't a riot. I just love the emphasis, again, on that language. But also, it's just kind of unfathomable to me. This was 1969. I know our parents were alive at this yeah. time. I mean, like, I think about, like, where we're at today. We're here, like, making this podcast. It's just insane to me, unfathomable to me that, like, this is how gay people had to live. Yeah, no, it really, it seems like it was, you know, like, so long ago, but mm-hmm. it, it really it's wasn't. Not. It's not. Like, it's it's sad, but also inspiring, I would say. So, whether she threw the first punch or not, Stormy's participation in the Stonewall protest was an important moment in her time as a gay rights activist, and it was just the beginning. She worked as a bouncer at several lesbian bars in the 80s and 90s, and held a few leadership positions in the Stonewall Veterans Association, including Chief of Security and Vice President. She also served the queer community as a volunteer street patrol worker, earning her the title of Guardian of the Lesbians in the Village. How sick is that? That is awesome. And oh. and she was a bouncer. I think it's got to be at that point. Like, if you were, like, a lesbian in New York, you, you had to just know her. Yeah, Like, right? she was at the clubs. She was a bouncer at the clubs. She was protecting you on the streets. Yeah, looking she, after you, making sure you're safe. Oh, my God. She must have, like, made such an impact. And for her to, like, have the title, it means that she was, like, actually taking action. Yeah. No, you know? Truly. Like, I don't know. Especially at a time where, like, again, we were just talking about this. Like, it's so different now, but, like, well, in some places. But being gay was dangerous. Like, just having that identity and living as that identity was such a dangerous thing. I can't imagine how nice it would have felt to know that you have someone who's protecting you right? from that. Like, it yeah. really is just such a heartwarming thing. Yeah, and uh, yeah, like you said before, it's just so unfortunate. Clearly, she had such a huge impact on so many people at the time. She was known by a lot of people, mm-hmm. and yet a lot of us still have never heard her name. Yeah, um, It's a story that really needs to be told. Yeah, agreed. So according to Lisa Canestracci, she was like a 
gay superhero. I would personally agree. Yes, super agree. And she was, quote, not to be messed with by any stretch of imagination, unquote. Love that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as well. Again, it just reinforces the idea that she was, like, actually doing stuff. She was fighting back. Yeah, she, she really was, was a, a superhero. To be with. Yeah. So Stormy walked the streets at night searching for what she called ugliness or any sort of intolerance or harassment towards queer people. She was a protector and this role applied to other causes as well. She organized benefits for survivors of domestic violence and child abuse as well. Stormy worked as a bouncer until she was 85 and she died in May of 2014 in a nursing home in Brooklyn at 93 years old. Can I just say, <laughs> she was a bouncer until she was 85? Are it must joking? have been, like, symbolic in a sense. But also, I would not put it past her, from what we've learned, to, like, be up and about at 85. Right. And, like, she... I just can't wrap my head around the fact that she loved her community so much. Yeah. Like, that she was probably, you know, a bit frailer than she was. She might have been a bit weaker, and she still wanted to do what she could to protect them. Yeah. It really is beautiful. Yeah, no, well said. It's... <laughs> I don't know. It's like, would you say growing up you had a lot of, like, gay role models? In my life? Yeah, like, who you knew personally. Uh, the first, I guess, out queer person that I ever encountered was my sibling, who came out as bisexual right. when I was young. And that was definitely the first time... You know, I knew what homosexuality was, mm -hmm. but before then, it never really occurred to me that that was, like, something you could be. Mm -hmm. Like, I just didn't really think about it. I guess it's just, like, in terms of adults, like, nobody. Until, like, I think I met my first queer adult when I was, like, halfway through high school, Maybe. Oh gosh. And then just like like someone who I could actually talk to and kind of get advice from in a sense. But I just think about Stormy and we like have kind of some tangible records of what she's done and the good that she's done, you know, her benefits for domestic right. violence, her her role as a protector. But I think about like seeing someone like that in your community again in a time where being gay might have been a bit more dangerous, where especially during like the AIDS epidemic, like people were not right. kind or accepting at all or tolerant at all to the to the LGBT plus community. How many stories of there are people who, like, people who saw her and became more comfortable with themselves knowing that they had someone like her in their community? Yeah. Like, I'm thinking of all the untold good that she did, in a sense. Completely. Yeah, there's so, it's, there's so much we're never going to know about that she did. Yeah, and day. she died so recently, too, 2014. Yeah. It gives another more, even more sense of, like, this wasn't it was that long ago. <laughs> so recent, right? Yeah. She could have told her story, like, six years ago to us. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, that's absolutely such a great point that you make, because I really can't think of... Like, it's really hard to think of the first in-real-life gay person that I met, right? but it was... I'm having a lot of difficulty. Right, I'm just like, how... Like, I'm wondering if I would have... Someone like me or someone like us would have come to our identities quicker if we had met someone like her. Yeah. Is what I think about. Yeah. Like, sometimes you I know? think about if I had just never met anybody, you know, until this age that was queer in person. Right. What, what I've realized And then you think queer? of, like, people in other countries who are, like... Who live that. Still living kind of what people in the 1960s were here. Yeah, or, or people here who are just also people here, yeah, not to like... off communities. Exactly, and... it's like, I, you really can't understate what that would mean to, like, a queer community. She's just yeah. such, such a force in her community. Truly. I, it's very moving, I would say. So from pioneering androgynous fashion to playing a role in the Stonewall Uprising to appointing herself as protector of marginalized communities, it's hard to capture how remarkable Stormy DeLarvery really was. Though she's not in the history books, one can look at queer culture and see her impact everywhere in the way we dress, the way we perform, and in the way we protect our community. Well said. Well, thank you. <laughs>
Unfortunately, Stormy isn't the only queer trailblazer whose name is relatively unknown. In fact, I'd say most of them aren't in the history books at all, despite their revolutionary work for civil rights. The ones who are, are predominantly white. There are so many people whose work for civil rights has been diminished or forgotten completely, and black queer people specifically are criminally underappreciated for what they've done for the LGBTQ community. There is a lot of discourse in the queer community today about all kinds of things, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. In fact, it's uplifting to know that we can focus on other issues because in the US and Canada, at least, we don't have to focus on just surviving anymore. But sometimes the issues bog us down. For one, I think the queer community too often forgets its roots, or the reason that people like Eileen and I can openly make a podcast like this, which is the efforts of Black queer women, specifically Black transgender women. Our community today is still riddled with racism and transphobia, and it's pretty devastating to see queer people today who seem to have forgotten what it means to be liberated. It's important to remind ourselves that Pride isn't just a celebration. It's a protest against the injustices we still face and a reminder of the people who fought back all those years ago. People like Stormy Delarvery, who defied norms and spent their entire lives working tirelessly to see a better future for the queer community. So thank you, Stormy. Thank you. Get excited, folks, because it is time for trivia. I, I really am excited for, for this <laughs> okay, one. Okay. Yeah, the format's a bit different this time. All right. We're doing some multiple choice oh, questions. <laughs> okay. And I don't think you're going to get any of them right. That's fair. The origin of this holiday is largely rooted in Saturnalia, a festival around 1st century BC which celebrated sex, fertility, and homosexuality. And during the festivities, men ran around naked, <laughs> tops became bottoms, <laughs> and masters waited on servants. Oh god. A. Valentine's Day B. Halloween C. Christmas D. New Year's Eve Or E. None of the above There's an E? Damn, girl. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say that I actually already know this one, no. and it is Christmas. It is Christmas! Ha, ha, ha. I did not think you were gonna get you this You know one. why? Because you told me that. Are you serious? <laughs> like two months ago, yeah. We were like sitting on the couch and you just like mentioned it. Oh, this, this, I, that's crazy because when I was doing research for this trivia, I read it and was like, no way. Are you serious? <laughs> you were literally the one who told me that. That's so funny. Okay, well. So, ha. Huh. But I have like a fun little extra detail. Okay. Um, well, so not not all elements uh, of Christmas come from this, but the- like, I would presume. <laughs> <laughs> but the big celebration happening on specifically December 25th, um, okay. we do owe to this. So I uh, believe to be trans Roman emperor Elagabalus, he went off for celebrations. Like he went so, so okay. crazy to the point where one of his celebrations, a bunch of guests suffocated to death under a bed of rose petals that he released from the ceilings on his dance hall. That is insane. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Right? I just found that so funny. Okay, I'm kind of like mad that, that you got that one. It's because you, you sabotaged yourself like in the past. I really did. <laughs> That's fine. This one will trip you up surely. The following was used as a popular lube for anal sex <laughs> around Europe around Europe in ancient times. A. Wet clay. B. Olive oil. C. Wild pig fat. D. All of the above. It's gotta be all of the above. It is not all of the what? above. What? It is olive oil. I just made up the oh. other ones. <laughs> you just made this up? Because I heard I was like, definitely olive oil. Yeah. But like the wild, the wet clay seems like it would be a thing. It's like they like were, not the best they were all dying at like age 15 or like age 20. They would be like, you are right about using this. that stuff. 
Also, the one wild pig fat, I was considering making it pig's blood, but then I was like, let's keep things <laughs> a yeah. more PG. Oh yeah, because we've definitely not crossed the PG line. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> what are you saying? Okay. At the first ever trial in Canada for homosexuality in 1648, a gay military drummer was sentenced to death, but his life was spared on the condition that he accepted the position of France's first permanent A, executioner, B, helotis, which means you would like try food um, to test if it's poisonous. Oh, nice. C, undercover operative to identify other gay soldiers. Or D, a clown or a subject to, to public humiliation. It's gotta be... Like, I think the undercover gay thing would be so... Like, I know it's horrible, but it's kind of funny. Um, I'm gonna say clown. Uh, it was A, executioner. Which what? I just, like, don't understand. Do they think it's like, you'll be sent to hell, like, more of a gay person's <laughs> the one doing it? <laughs> That's that, so funny. Is that, like, the basis? Duh. No, I don't know. Actually, historians are also curious about this. They're puzzled. They're like, how... How did he possibly like convince them to let him live? Maybe he like had some contacts and that was yeah, like, like I, I guess. don't know. Because I guess we'll never know. It's also kind of ironic because this was around the time where like gay executions in France were at their peak. So and then he was the one doing it. That's kind of interesting. I feel like there's some sort of like religious thing. Yeah, it's got to be. Who knows? Moving on. What famous writer, when doing time in prison, was visited by the last two men to be hanged for homosexuality in the UK? A. George Orwell B. J.R.R. Tolkien C. C.S. Lewis or D. Charles Dickens I'm trying to think of like time. I don't think Tolkien has ever been to jail. Um, I'm gonna say Charles Dickens. It seems like something that would happen to him. You're is it right. correct? Okay, I was like thinking time period to Tolkien. <laughs> he would definitely make right it. But yeah, it seems it. like something Charles Dickens would do. Also, out of all of them, Charles Dickens seems the most likely to be in jail. <laughs> do, is like why? I don't know. Like people don't know. It's just kind of like it's kind of sus, right? Like interesting. Why? Why did these two are guys there, like, pull up? Are there Charles Dickens like gay rumors? That's the interesting. Like not aside from this, I didn't find anything about that. So maybe they were homies. <laughs> like I guess. Like just casual homies. Interesting. That is so weird. Yeah. Like, dude, history is crazy. No, like <laughs> history would be crazy. Bro. History would be crazy. Okay. Last question. Okay. What did popular rapper Eminem <laughs> give Elton John as a wedding gift? <laughs> I'm sorry. Please tell me you don't already know the answer. <laughs> okay. Mom spaghetti. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> hey. Slim Shady. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. How do you feel right now? Okay. A. A pair of assless chaps. <laughs> B. A copy of the director's cut of Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> C. A silk robe with the phrase, best gay dad embroidered in it. And D. A pair of diamond studded rings, not the kind that's meant for fingers. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no matter what, you had to make up three of those things. <laughs> I just want to say, I think I know this one. And while director's cut of Brokeback Mountain is quite possibly the funniest thing I've ever heard, I do know it is rings not meant for fingers. It Am I is. correct? I feel like I read about that somewhere. It wasn't Eminem. It was his alter ego Slim Shady gave those. I will <laughs> literally. <laughs> that was so funny. Those are so good. Like, I just like would love, like, was it like a gay rights moment for Eminem? Was he like, <laughs> did he think that Elton John would perhaps have a good use for them? Were they on that level? There's a lot of mystery here. You're right, like a lot of questions here. Did you just look up like gifts for gay dudes on like <laughs> <Yes>. BuzzFeed? 
he got an article that was like top 10 gifts for gay pop singers. And then <laughs> pop singers is that not Elton John? Well, yeah, I don't I guess. know. I guess you're right. I guess you're right. <laughs> I'm like a fan. Oh, Rocket Man. You mean you're a fan of the Lady Gaga cover? <laughs> yeah. I'm a fan of Elton John when Nathan Chen is skating to it. True. Ooh. Shout out to our boy Nathan Chen. Shout out to Nathan Chen and our Japanese skaters, Yuma Kageyama and Shoma Uno, the medalist for men's skating. <laughs> we love the Olympics. Yes, bro. We really do you love the Olympics. <laughs> Okay, um, that concludes trivia. That concludes trivia. You're welcome for the quality <laughs> questions. Yeah, I must say, thank you. Those were those were lovely. And that's it for this week's episode. We're so glad to be back, and we hope you enjoyed learning about Stormy Delivery because we sure did. Indeed. We did. And as always, feel free to message us if there are any stories or topics you think we should cover next, or if you're a queer student who wants to feature their work on one of our episodes. And of course, follow us on at Ghost in the Closet Podcast on Instagram. Please follow us. Please. Please. We're gonna start posting. Yeah, like, oh, real sure. good stuff. Like, I like maybe one of our faces. Yeah, <laughs> maybe some selfies. <laughs> All right, as always, I'm Eileen. And I'm Mary. And we'll see you next time to uncover more ghosts in the closet. Do <laughs> do